Brush up your Shakespeare. Start quoting him now. Brush up your Shakespeare. And no women, you will wow. Just declaim a few lines. Hello, Shannon Riley here, inviting you to join me every Sunday here on KSCF as I talk Shakespeare on Shannon Shakespeare Sunday. Every Sunday at 8 and 8, archived here at Kansas 785 Live, as well as on my own website, ShannonJRiley.com. Join me and let's talk a little bit about the bar on KSCF every Sunday, 8 to 8. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Shannon Shakespeare Sunday here on KSEF Digital Radio, 785Live, 785.com. I'm Shannon Riley, thanking you for coming back once again to hear about the world's greatest writer, William Shakespeare. Every week, I like to take a little time to tell you a little bit about Shakespeare and something you may not already know. And I'm very excited because today, I'm actually going to be responding to a listener's question. I always love it when I hear from listeners, and so I want to remind you, if you've got a question for me, or maybe a, a topic you'd like me to follow, or something you'd like me to check out, you can join me at ShannonJRiley.com. That's ShannonJRiley.com. Riley is R-E-I-L-L-Y. Ask me a question, uh, send me an idea for a show, uh, whatever you'd like to do, and while you're at ShannonJRiley.com, check out some of my plays, my short films, and other podcasts you may have missed. I'd love to hear from you, so thank you very much. Now, today, I'm going to, first of all, before I get to that question, I'm going to start off by saying uh, your Shakespeare book of the day. Every week, I like to tell you about a book. I think you should go get out immediately, buy it, read it, and tell me what you think of it. Today's book is by one of my favorite Shakespearean authors. His name is James Shapiro. He's written a lot of books. I think I have, have all of them. But his latest book, or not latest necessarily, but his, uh, this book is Contested Will. Uh, and it's a great book answering all of those bizarre questions about who wrote William Shakespeare. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to this uh, podcast, I am a firm Stradivarian. I believe very much that the plays of William Shakespeare were written by William Shakespeare. Uh, and James Shapiro breaks the argument down really beautifully. Uh, it was copyrighted 2010. It's called Contested Will. Check it out. And your Shakespeare quote of the day is, I say that there is no darkness but ignorance. That's from Twelfth Night. Act 4, Scene 2. And there is no darkness but ignorance. And I know a few ignorant people out there, but I'm not going to talk about them because one's listening to me right now. So, um, what I'm going to say next is I'll let you know about a couple of really exciting things. First of all, I'm on every Sunday at 8 o'clock, 8 and 8. And very soon, a dear friend of mine, uh, the Colonel, Eddie Sheeran, is going to be talking about blues music right after my show. So now you got a whole reason to stay on uh, KSEF all Sunday morning and all Sunday night as you listen to the Colonel talking blues. So check that out. It's coming your way very, very shortly. Now... I got uh, your Shakespeare fun fact for the day. Uh, every week I like to do a Shakespeare fun fact. And here's the thing that I want to tell you that a lot of people probably don't even realize. They are quoting Shakespeare every day. Matter of fact, it's considered everybody in Western English language speaking peoples quote Shakespeare 
every day. They just don't know it. That's because he came up with so many words, phrases, and languages, or um, uh, phrases that, that have worked their way into our public um, nomenclature. For instance, if you've ever used the word fashionable or assassination, sanctimonious, eyeball, advertisement, or lackluster, you just quoted Shakespeare. If you've ever used the phrases foregone conclusion, wild goose chase, green-eyed monster, one fell swoop, you just quoted Shakespeare. And there's many, many more. In fact, he even came up with names still being used today. They're all female names. It's Olivia, Miranda, Jessica, and Cordelia were all invented by Shakespeare and are now names used all the time. Of course, he also came up with Titania, and I've never run into a woman named Titania, but I think it's very fascinating that Shakespeare not only came up with words and phrases, but names. And that's your Shakespeare fun fact for the day. All right, so I'm going to go to my question. i got a great family that listens in to me all the time, the Chase family here in Topeka. I want to thank them for continuing to listen. And uh, they sent me a question a few uh, weeks ago about what my favorite uh, Shakespearean films were. And so I thought today's program was going to be about my favorite Shakespearean films. I was going to do the top ten favorites Shakespeare films. However, then they sent me another question, and they said, uh, which of the um, retelling of Shakespeare's life or work do you hate the most? From Something's Rotten, Complete Works of William Shakespeare Bridge, or The Lion King, what don't I like? Well, to tell you the truth, I love all of those three suggestions. Uh, Something's Rotten, I absolutely delightful. If you get a chance to see it, go see it. It's fantastic. Complete works of William Shakespeare abridged. I actually directed that show a few years ago down at Civic. It was actually our first studio show. Terrific, wonderful show. And of course, I love The Lion King and anything Elton John. So that was a winner for me too. But I'm going to give you five movies that I really just did not like. And some of these could be a little contentious for some of you out there who are Shakespeare fans. Now, I know a lot of people love Kenneth Branagh. I've got a list of Kenneth Branagh stuff that is really, really super to me and others that I did not like much at all. Uh, so i got to say my fifth least favorite Shakespeare book or movie is the 1996 Hamlet starring Kenneth Branagh. I just didn't like it at all. I thought he was too showy. He was too much into himself and less into the bard. And so... I think he really missed the mark on that. And it's funny, when I was doing the research for this uh, story, how many times I saw his Branagh's uh, 1996 Hamlet being at the list of great Shakespeare movies. And to me, I just, I just did not appreciate it at all. And when I get to my favorites, you're going to find out why, because there's a Hamlet on there that is a must-see for anybody who's a true Shakespearean fan. So I didn't like that Hamlet. And while I'm talking about Hamlet, my fourth most disliked movie was the Hamlet 1990 starring Mel Gibson. You could not find somebody more unappealing for that role to me than Mel Gibson. He was way too old. Uh, he was too stocky. He wasn't this brooding Dane. He was a um, sexy movie star, and he played it that way. And I really disliked that Glenn Close was his mother. It just didn't play out to me. And But more than anything else, the words are awkward in his mouth. He just does not make Shakespeare's language come to life. And that's what we go to see the movies for. So, I'm sorry, Mel. Did not appreciate the 1990 Hamlet either. By the way, it's not that I hate Hamlet. I love Hamlet. I'm going to talk about it in just a few minutes on the other side of our break. But 
The next one I want to talk about is the 1996 Romeo and Juliet starring Claire Gaines and Leonardo DiCaprio, who's directed by Baz Luhrmann. Again, this is a movie that shows up on everybody's favorite list that I saw as I was doing my research. It just missed the boat entirely to me. Not only did I feel like both of those uh, leads did not feel comfortable in their skin as they were doing these performances, but if you're going to do a modern retelling of one of Shakespeare's plays, then you got to change some of the language. And I know that sounds a little awkward, but when you hold up a gun and say, here is my sword, it takes me out of the movie immediately. I suddenly go, that's not a sword, that's a gun. It's, it just doesn't play. Modern retellings of Shakespeare work beautifully and have worked beautifully for a lot of different people. But this particular, Claire Danes and, and Leonardo DiCaprio with Baz Luhrmann, Dretcher Seat, 1996, Romeo and Juliet, missed the boat by a long shot. And then this one, this one kills me. My second least favorite Shakespeare movie was one that I could not wait for it to come out. As a matter of fact, I ordered the DVD immediately when I found out about it, and I, I just couldn't wait to see it. And when I got the DVD and popped it in and watched it, the further I got into it, the more disenchanted I was with the entire thing. And that is the Julie Tamor 2010 The Tempest, starring Helen Mirren uh, in the title role of Prospero. Now... Prospero. And the Tempest was one of Shakespeare's very last plays. It was probably his last solo play before he selected um, John Fletcher to take his place in the company as the main writer for the uh, company. But it was his swan song. It was Shakespeare's way of saying goodbye to the theater world, and he was going back to Stratford. And who was waiting for him in Stratford? His wife that he hadn't seen really for many, many years. He would go back maybe once or twice a year at best during the 20 years he was in um, uh, London. He also had two daughters who were there. Uh, two daughters who did not know him. Two daughters who grew up without him. Two daughters who didn't understand him, possibly. And an unmarried sister. All of his male kinfolk were dead. He had buried all of his brothers, he had buried his son, and he had buried his father. Plus, he was going back to Stratford-on-Avon, where playing and, and um, plays being produced in public was now illegal because the Puritans had taken over. So he was going back into a world where he probably wasn't all that uh, respected for what he had made his money on. He was wealthy, he owned a huge house, but he was going back to a community that didn't really appreciate who he was. So, why do I bring all that up? Because the Tempest is filled with a man saying, I'm going home, and I'm going to go take care of my daughter, but I don't know how to raise a child, how to take care for a daughter. This does not play as well when you change the sex of Prospero. I'm not trying to say women can't play. I, I'm involved in a Shakespeare company called Lady Shakes, where all it's all women, 100% women in every role. That's not it. But she did not bring to life Prospero in a proper way, and I just was lost in that entire production, very disappointed with it. So The Tempest with Julie Tamar, 2010, was my second least favorite. But now, my least favorite, and I think I'm very safe in saying this, was an animated production that came out a few years ago called Nomeo and Juliet. This is so bad, ladies and gentlemen. This is crap on a toast. You don't want to watch this. And I feel bad saying it because it's got, uh, first of all, I love Elton John. He's got music in it. He was a part of that production. And it is really, really terrible. 
Music's good. I like the music. Story is really bad. In um, I've read several articles that said, well, it was a way to introduce children to the classical arts. Um, well, doing it crappily is not a great way to introduce anybody to anything. And it was uh, a poorly written script, poorly written um, a scenario based off of Romeo and Juliet, and the animation was just dreadful. So, uh, Romeo and Juliet was my by far least favorite anything Shakespeare ever done. So, Chase Family, there's the answer to your question in five points. It's funny, the Chase Family said to me, show your work, which I don't know how to do that on radio, so I'm holding up my notes to the microphone and saying my least favorite uh, Shakespeare production was Romeo and Juliet. Um, they had a, um, a sequel to that, by the way, that came out a couple of years later. And my kids watched Romeo and Juliet with me, and they hated it as much as I did. So they just had to see the sequel to see if it was as bad. And it was uh, Sherlock Gnome, I think, or something like that. So we watched that, and it was even worse. So I guess it could get worse. Um, but there's a lot of great Shakespeare to talk about and a lot of great Shakespeare films which I'm going to be talking about after our break and when I get to those uh, uh, Shakespeare films I'm going to ask, remind you first of all I haven't there are over 10,000 Shakespeare films out there I have not seen them all and uh, your favorite may not be on this list simply because I may not have seen it but I'm going to talk about some of my favorites that I've seen and recently seen uh, after the break and encourage you to go out and, and get them or Go to your library, check it out, and see if you can see it. Once again, I'm Shannon Riley on Shakespeare Sunday, right here at the great studios of KSEF Digital Radio, 785Live785.com. I want you to please, please tune in every Sunday to hear more about Shannon's Shakespeare Sunday. We're going to take a short break, and when I come back, you're going to hear about my favorites. So, see you on the other side. <laughs> Oh, and welcome once again to Shannon Shakespeare Sunday right here on KSEF Digital Radio 75Live75.com. It's Shannon Riley coming to you today, talking to you about Shakespeare, as I do every Sunday, trying to keep everything clear and for the bard as we go forward. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I wanted to remind you, if you got any questions, thoughts, comments, please send them my way through uh, ShannonJRiley.com. Riley is R-E-I-L-L-Y. Uh, and you can send me suggestions for possible upcoming shows, questions you might have, or how wonderful you think my speaking voice is. I'd love to hear all of those things. So contact me through ShannonJRiley.com. All right, today's theme was the film of William Shakespeare. And I promised that I was going to do my top 10 favorite Shakespeare films. And I wanted to reiterate, I'm not a Shakespearean scholar. I don't pretend to be a Shakespearean scholar. I am a Shakespearean fanatic. I am odd in that way. <laughs> I will go out of my way to read everything about him, learn everything that I can about him. And one day I dream to hold all of his films in my tiny little hands. However, I don't have them all. I have quite a few, and I'm going to talk about some of my favorites. But if you don't hear your favorite here. Maybe I just don't know about it. So go to ShannonJRiley.com and tell me about it. I'd love to check it out. Now I'm going to cheat a little bit as I go through this top 10 list by sneaking a whole bunch of extra films in there because I'm Irish and we try to get the most out of everything. I'm going to start with the, uh, it's my top 10 list. I'm going to work from 10 to 1 and at 10, I got to start with the 
film versions that got me hooked on Shakespeare as a kid. When I was a kid, uh, I uh, got in trouble with my mother by saying, I'm bored. My mother was the kind of person where you never say you're bored too. So she said, all right. And she dragged me. We had a room in our house we called the library. It was filled with books. My mother was a huge book fan. And she dragged me in and she sat me down on the couch in that room, picked the biggest book off the shelf, not even looking at it, dropped it in my lap and said, if you're bored, read. And she left. Well, what she dropped in my lap was the complete works of William Shakespeare. Now, I was doing theater since I was a young boy. I had no idea my mother had plays in the house. And when I opened up and saw it was plays, I immediately dived in. She came back about 10 minutes later expecting me to be asleep or complaining or what, but I was dead into the reading of the place because I had never seen anything like it before. My mother said to me at that time, you like that? And I said, yeah, very much. This is fantastic. And she said, well, you know, the BBC is filming each one of Shakespeare's plays, and they put them on Sunday night on uh, uh, the PBS station we reached in northern Iowa. And I said, do we get it? And I said, yeah, we get it. So that Sunday, we sat down together and watched my first Shakespearean play on television. It was the BBC's critically acclaimed group of films that they did trying to film all of Shakespeare's plays. The first one I saw was Julius Caesar. And I'll never forget the line that caught me when they found Brutus's body lying on the ground. One of the actors turned to the other actor and said, he lies like not that of the living. And I thought, what a cool way to say, look a dead guy. He lies like not that of the living. It was beautiful. And after that, I was hooked. Every Sunday night, I was in that little den watching on a little black and white portable television where I had to sit three inches away from the screen to practically see it. And I watched Shakespeare plays every Sunday night after that. The whole series is available. Well, not the whole series. See, there's uh, 37 plays attributed to Shakespeare. I think only 20 of them were released in a box set. But uh, they were started in 1978 and they finished in 1985. They had seven seasons of Shakespeare plays, and they're, some are better than others, but they're a fantastic way to introduce yourself to the art of William Shakespeare. And as I've said many times before, don't read Shakespeare if you're new at Shakespeare, or if you have a friend who you want to get turned on to Shakespeare. Don't read it. Listen to it. See it. Because when you hear it done by people who know how to do it and know how to say it, it is a sublime moment of art. So don't read it, see it, and you're going to appreciate it so much more. And start with this. There, I think there's 20 of them that have been released. I have the entire box set at home. 20 of BBC's critically acclaimed The Works of William Shakespeare. And it's got some amazing talent in it. Uh, John Cleese is in it. He's in... Um, Taming of the Shrew, uh, you have um, John Gielgud, some amazing actors. So check out that series. Um, it's it's really terrific. And as long, so that's number 10. So as long as I'm talking about series of things, the next one is also a box set that came out just a few years ago, and it's called The Hollow Crown. The Hollow Crown is fantastic because it starts with Richard II, then it goes to Henry uh, IV, Part One and Two, then Henry V, and then Henry VI, Part One, Two, and Three, and ends with Richard III. The entire huge arc of the War of the Roses and all of those beautiful plays all connected together. When you see them back to back, 
back related to each other, you are amazed at not only the history that it teaches you, but the immense power of character. It's done with some of the most amazing British actors as well, and it is a truly, truly inspiring um, uh, box set. Now, the thing that's also great about the Hollow Crown is it was produced just a few years ago, so it's got great film quality, um, a terrifically moving score. You're going to be transfixed. So it's a lot of movies, all in one that I've squeezed into number nine there, but you've got to see each one of them. So block out a weekend. It's a pandemic. None of us are going anywhere and get the hollow crown. It is truly remarkable. Number eight I want to talk about is a relatively new film. It came out in 2012, and it's uh, a much ado about nothing. But what's neat about this uh, was it was directed by uh, Josh Whedon, and it's black and white, and they filmed it in one weekend at Josh's house. (laughs) It's like he got all of his friends together and said, we're going to film a Shakespeare comedy in my house this weekend. Show up early. (laughs) It's really excellent. And I believe they filmed it all on the iPhone, too. Um, It's got a great cast of characters. Really brilliant uh, uh, costuming. It's contemporary. It's uh, people wearing suits and evening gowns. They had to because it's all um, done in in his house in Southern California. And it is is really excellent. So uh, check it out. It came out in 2012. It's Much Ado About Nothing by Josh Whedon. He's the director, and his wife uh, plays Beatrice. I am blanking on her name right now. I should have written it down. But it, it is truly a remarkable um, remarkable new film. The other one I'm going to tell you about now for number seven goes back a few years. It goes back to 1991, and it is weird, but I'm mesmerized by it. It was a um, movie called Prospero's Books, and uh, Peter Greenway, I believe, was the director. Uh, Starts Sir John Gielgud. It mixed mime, dance, opera, animation. It put everything together into The Tempest and retold The Tempest through the imaginings of Prospero himself, as if through his magic, he was making all of it come to life. John Gielgud is brilliant in it. Now, there's a quite a bit of nudity in it. There's quite a bit of naughty bits in it, uh, but it is really, really a unique and clever telling retelling of The Tempest. It's Prospero's books, and it came out in 1991. Now, I'm going to leave his works for a minute and talk more about his life because I picked a little bit on Kenneth Branagh in the last section, but he did a movie just recent, came out in 2018, called All is True, where Kenneth Branagh covered the life of William Shakespeare when he left um, uh, London and returned to Stratford-on-Avon. It's excellent. It's so good. And I, I'm not a huge uh, Kenneth Branagh fan. I like him. I'm not a huge fan, but I am a huge fan of his work on this movie. Now, there's a lot of imagination in it because we really don't know. He covers the death of his son, Hamnet. It surely affected Shakespeare. You can see it in his writing, but we don't know what killed Hamnet. And Kenneth Branagh's uh, all, we, all is True answered that question. They had to come up with something, and they came up with a very clever reason of why Hamnet died. Um, so, so it's it's conjecture. There's a lot of imagination that was put into it to try and tell the life of William Shakespeare. But just the time that Shakespeare went from being the toast of London to just a lord living, a gentleman living in, in Stratford-on-Avon, the 
come down that he had, the feeling that he had of trying to reconnect with his family, all captured beautifully and brilliantly. It's also written by a guy by the name of Ben Elton, who's a great writer, English writer. He wrote a series of comedies, a comedy television show based on Shakespeare called Upstart Crow. Very funny. Very funny. A lot of in-jokes for those of us who love Shakespeare. Upstart Crow is on BritBox if you want to check that out, too, because it's it's truly funny. It's a half-hour comedy, each time taking on a different one of Shakespeare's plays. And he plays Shakespeare as a bit of a bumbling buffoon who's also quite clever at writing. So it's, it's, it's really a clever series. So there's two for the price of one. Check out All is True. Came out in 2018, starring Kenneth Branagh. And if you got time, go over to BritBox and check out The Upstart Crow. It's very funny. Both written by Ben Elliott. All right, so for number five, I'm going to go to a, two movies again. One is Hamlet by Olivier. It came out in 1948. It is an old black and white film. It's when Olivier was a very young, very thin, very brooding man. And let me tell you, he captures Hamlet. Now, it's an odd cutting. I don't like all the cutting in it. They cut out Rosengrantz and Guildenstern, for instance. I'm not a big fan of that. But it really was a brilliant way to, to look at Hamlet. He brings Hamlet to life as his brooding, intelligent, dangerous young man. And it's really, uh, I think, Olivier when he was in his prime. Uh, it came out in 1948. And last a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the uh, uh, Olivier's Henry IV, or Henry V, that came out in 1944, where you get to see how Shakespeare was performed in Shakespeare's time in the first 10 minutes of the movie. That's also worth it. It was on my top three a couple of weeks ago, but I'm moving it back down to share number five with Hamlet because I want to talk about another film I forgot about. Uh, but Olivier's Hamlet, 1948, or is Henry IV, 1944, both of them really wonderful movies. Then I'm going to leave his works away again and talk about a movie that talked about his life. And it, again, is totally made up. It is This could not have happened. It would have been impossible to happen. And yet, I love this film. It's Shakespeare in Love. Uh, it came out in 1991. Joseph Fiennes plays um, uh, Shakespeare. Jeffrey Rush is in it. Gwyneth Paltrow's in it. I'm um, not a huge fan of Gwyneth Paltrow, I gotta say, but I loved this film. I think it's really well done. It's very well imagined. You can see Shakespeare struggling to try and write Romeo and Juliet. He falls in love with Gwyneth Paltrow, who's pretending to be a boy, shows she can perform in the plays. Um, it's uh, uh, um, uh, Judy Dench plays Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Colin Firth is in the movie. It's it's really excellent. So if you haven't seen it, I, I, I won an Academy Award, so I'm sure a lot of you have. But um, Shakespeare in Love, 1999, is number four for me and a great slice of what Shakespeare's life may have been like when he was living in London. And certainly when you look at the, the scenes that they do in the Globe Theatre, it's brilliant. It, 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 you feel like you've gone back in time and you are standing there as a groundling watching one of his plays take form. Absolutely exciting. So check it out. It's Shakespeare in Love. Now, number three, <laughs> I talked about a couple of weeks ago, and it's slightly controversial as well. It's Roman Polanski's Macbeth that came out in 1971. Some people thought it was way too violent. It was certainly very sexual. It had a lot of nudity in it. Um, but it is incredibly well done 
done. The witches are fantastic. I it's a mesmerizing production, and uh, I gotta say, uh, if Macbeth is one of the best plays Shakespeare ever wrote. It is filled with all those wonderful nasty witches and magic and prophecy and uh, a story that turns in on itself and has a beautiful conclusion. So. You, you just got to experience Macbeth and you got to experience Macbeth live. And if you can't experience it live, get the Roman Polanski film. Check it out. It really is an excellent film. And um, I, I go back to it all the time as being the quintessential Macbeth. And as long as I'm talking about quintessential, my number two goes to Franco Zaffarelli's Romeo and Juliet in 1968. Absolutely stunning. Beautiful music, well acted. A very young Peter York in it. Um, it's got uh, a guy by the name of Leonard Whitening who plays Romeo and Olivia Hussey who plays Juliet. They are the right age. Very seldom do I see Romeo and Juliet played by teenagers, but it's got to be teenagers, man. It's got to be because it's all about teenage love, and it is so well done. It's the 1968 Franco Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet. And then I'm going to end by going back to where I started. I said that the BBC versions of all of these plays are available. Well, my favorite one in that group is my number one Shakespeare movie of all time. I can't believe I didn't mention it a couple of weeks ago. It's the BBC Hamlet starring Derek Jacobi. It was done in 1980. Nobody, nobody that I've seen do Hamlet, and I've got like dozens of Hamlets that I've watched, has approached it with the finesse and the brilliance of Derek Jacobi. He really brings that play to life and it's uncut so it's four hours of your life you've got to devote yourself to but you get to see the whole play done right before your eyes so that's my top 10 list i'm about out of time here today i want to thank you all for tuning in to shannon shakespeare shunday i want to remind you about next week i'm going to be back and next week's topic is going to be about shakespeare's theaters where were they what were they and how did they come to be I want to thank you for listening in to Shannon Shakespeare Sunday. Come back every Sunday. Visit me at shannonjriley.com and let me know what you think. And as always, please stay barred to the bone. <laughs>